I'm Tobin Walsh, and welcome to Tobin Talks 2, the place where every week I get to talk to interesting people about anything they want to talk about. This week, I'm talking to my friend Aaron Donnelly. I knew Aaron as a shy, smart kid growing up on the west side of Cedar Rapids, Iowa. He now is in Eugene, Oregon. He's a podcaster, an author, a husband, a father, a really interesting guy. I hope you enjoy my talk with Aaron. Uh, <laughs> no, I guess I do. Uh, I guess I write comedy stuff and i'm also i don't know we're longtime friends i don't know man what do you got so here's what i say so i did this with the other guest i had on today and i just started making a list of things and then i scrapped the list and i just think okay when i think of aaron what do i think of and the first thing i thought of was creativity uh-huh. and so one of the things and it's not meant to be just this gushy like how cool you are episode yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what interests me about you is so i'm a creative guy as well so what, what always interests me about you is that there is that you're also really like an understated person. Like you're, you're, I would describe you as sort of quiet, but then all the creative stuff you do takes a certain level of like vulnerability and courage. And so I find that mix to be super intriguing. Yeah. That is, I mean, it's like, uh, you hear this a lot about um, talk show hosts like uh, David Letterman and Carson, not that I'm like that at all, but um, I'm the same way in that I don't like, to be in a crowd of people mingling but i love to be in front of a microphone talking somehow that's different or if i can put something out in writing that's maybe bizarre or outlandish that's way more comfortable than just talking to a bunch of people and it's it's a weird introvert i guess uh uh i don't know it's like a what's the word i'm looking for like a a weird balance imbalance there i guess yeah, it's yeah. you don't get you don't get the uh, consternation that I get when I hit publish on anything I either write or put out to the world. Yeah, <laughs> no, I uh, I I don't put out a lot unless I've really really thought about what I'm writing. Even a stupid Facebook post, I've probably thought about it a lot before I've even said anything. And and just to my few friends that I have, I, I don't know why I'm that way, but I examine it a lot. Um, and then it's like, you ever do this? You send an email out to people, and then the first thing you do is go to your sent items and read it. <laughs> That's me. Yeah, exactly. I'm sending, yeah. I don't know if you're like me, but you know, since we're in this creative field, as well as sort of a normal life, balancing the two, but you know, I send a lot of pitches out because I think I have these great ideas. And almost yeah. all the time, these pitches are going out at like 1130 or midnight when my kids have fallen asleep and my wife is long since sleep as well and then i go back at you know 6 a.m when i wake up to try to get myself together for my real job and i go oh i hope i didn't misspell anything i hope i didn't you know and inevitably there's like an extra the or a two or (laughs) you're just beating yourself up all day about it like oh man yeah like somebody paul mccartney said something really great he said if it's a good idea it'll be a good idea in the morning and i always think about that at night because i think about emailing things but then i'd hold off try to hold off anyway you know, it's funny when I got into this podcasting and writing stuff, there's a bunch of literature out there in the same vein that says, okay, if you're going to post it to Twitter, you have to do it during this day and this time and blah, blah, right. blah. And so I got like hardcore into that at first. And then I would use it as like excuses of why things weren't performing. <laughs> right. And so whenever anybody asks me about the writing stuff I do, or even the podcasting stuff, and they ask me any question in regard to like timing and trying to, it's almost like playing the market where it's like, just put out good stuff. And if people like it, they'll look. Oh, oh, sorry, man. I'm just working from home. My phone went off. Um, no, you're totally right. Um, 
it's like th there's people that are really good and really interested in marketing and gaming the system, especially online system, like with how to sell more books or how to get more listeners. And then they have these classes you can take and, and buy and all this stuff. And I just, that makes me so sick. Um, I don't, <laughs> I just, I just want to put something out and not have to deal and not care if people listen or buy it. Um, because the other part just makes me tired. Yeah, I hear you. And so one of the, it. so well, I'm talking to Aaron Donnelly here. So Aaron, just to clear the deck, uh, I know you really well, but my listeners may not. You do a, yeah. a, a podcast called the Think Funny Podcast. I encourage everybody to go listen to it. The reason I actually sort of was kind of reacquainted with how creative you were was really the Think Funny Podcast. And one of the cool things is I get to come on the show maybe last year, or the year before, I can't remember. Um, and I asked you like, hey, you know, what was your idea for the show? And one of the things I'll never forget that you told me, you said, I just wanted to talk to my brother and my friends more. And I, I yeah. just, that stuck with me as like such a cool, enduring quality. Uh, just, it's just, yeah. well, you know, especially guys, I think like, I don't know, I don't, I don't really have that many friends in real life. Once I got out of high school, I got married young. Um, I don't know. I mean, the friends that you made growing up as maybe it's the same way for women but for guys you're just so close to them and you just connect with them so much but then you are committed to your job and your family and usually your wife's family as far as your circle mm -hmm. which tends to be the way it is and so a lot of guys i think get isolated in their friendships um and then you have the opportunity to have friends with guys but honestly like <laughs> like a lot of guys i just can't connect that well with they're they're not interesting enough to me. That sounds terrible. Or they're into like hunting or something and I'm not. And I don't know. It's just, it's, it was difficult. So I, I just really was craving it. Um, I think my brother and Nate were too. Just getting back to that, that time where you're all just sitting around and just, just talking and just being yourself. And it's a wonderful feeling that I missed. It's weird though, because I, you know, I think about, I, I totally wholeheartedly agree with you on in that regard. And sometimes and during this crisis, I've actually tried to make a practice of calling more people. But mm, you yeah. find yourself with, yeah, I, I talked to him yesterday. And it's like, did you talk to him? Or did you text him? Or did you Facebook right. message him? Or did you comment on his video? You know, and the the idea of actually connecting, especially for guys, is so different. And yeah. I mean, in some ways, what you're saying is exactly right. Because I know with my mom, she had four boys. And I'm fairly sure that all of us that are still married are probably closer to our wives families or at least in more frequent contact with right it's just so, the nature I, I miss being in a basement with a bunch of my friends at 12 30 on a friday night with nothing to do like that is what i miss and, I, rem I remember yeah. your basement i i truly remember your basement <laughs> Yeah. It, i don't yeah. remember the content okay this is what i remember about your basement and, yeah. and and you tell me if it's wrong there okay there was a long staircase and i believe there was wood plan paneling flanking yeah. each side yeah. was there was there a bar downstairs there was like it was set up like there were little basketball hoops and a pool table and an air hockey table um it was a little gaming area kind of thing um and then yeah. you took a took a right and it, uh, why do i remember there was like elevated sort of like glass encased trophy cases or something is that right mm. i had these no? bookshelves I don't, I don't know what would trope maybe i got a math trophy in sixth grade that's <laughs> actually still at my mom's house that was the only trophy i ever got <laughs> i can't but, uh, remember I, you had yeah. a lot of collectibles though that's yeah. what I'm probably, that's what i'm probably hearkening to 
Yeah, probably. Yeah. And just, you know, Jay's basement, Nate's basement. Um, I don't know. Just being with guys where you don't have to filter yourself. Like even on the podcast, it's definitely filtered because we. Well, that's what I was saying. That's what I was wondering. So you you want to create this authentic experience where you talk, you know, reconnect with people that are important to you, and then you put microphones or into the internet in front of you guys at a as a prearranged time. Did it did it ever get sort of like, hey, this this is kind of cheesy, or you know, we're doing too many inside jokes, or or Um, just you let it rip. Usually. I'll have to cut out a lot of like my favorite things because it'll be too inside or maybe too dirty or something like my mom listens. And like, I, that was an obstacle when she told me like, I'm listening Aaron. I was like, Oh no. Like, and she's like, now I didn't like what you said about swearing when you were in college. <laughs> and I was like, don't censor me mom. But uh, yeah, it's not, it's not exactly the same, but it's, it's close enough. It's the, you know, but it's not the same for sure. Yeah, no kidding. I, I could. It, it is a weird revelation when when somebody, uh, from my perspective, when somebody talks about some work that I've put out, whether it's writing or this podcasting stuff, and they say it, they they quote me or say what an idiot yeah. I was, and it's yeah. like you have this weird realization that somebody actually listened, and you go, I don't. It's kind of flattering, even if they're totally undressing your behavior. You know what you're saying it is, is weird. Like, yeah, yeah. It's it super is weird. weird. Or if someone has said they laughed at something that I wrote, I'm like there's actually human beings reading reading this like it doesn't feel real like that's not um yeah so that's it is weird yeah it's like a very 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 small level of fame within a small circle of people (laughs) (laughs) and and it's an interesting well just from a perspective point of view for think funny podcast you're in somewhere in portland right i'm out of eugene which is just south of portland yeah so Eugene, Oregon, you got Nathan yeah. Sadler is in Iowa, and you got your brother who lives closer to me in Florida, right? So I mean, yeah. it's an interesting group of perspectives, and the, I think the common theme that's interesting is that not only in the friendship, but you guys are all pretty smart guys. I mean, yeah, yeah my that's brother. the one thing I remember is man, oh man, I, Matt was so damn smart, and yeah. and I, I'm not, and he just he was always so darn smart and Nate is really smart and athletic. Yeah. And then you are extremely smart and athletic. I just, I don't know about the athletic, but uh, no, I did have a good pass in seventh grade, which I think you were witness to. Oh, it was legendary. <laughs> so uh, I did a pat. I was on the B team in basketball and I, I was You're driving sort of down. a between in between a and B. I was, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was driving down and I just did this behind the head, no look through arms and legs akimbo through the universe passed and went through guys and hit my guy and apparently the coach uh, was oliver i don't yeah. saw it and, uh, and he made a big deal about it with the a-team locker room which you were on the a-team and how aaron donnelly was working hard out there <laughs> <laughs> there's so uh, much good material from those basketball courses isn't there i know so yeah, yeah it's great so no, but so, yeah, that's like yeah. I mean, my brother is definitely very you know intelligent, and Nate is, and it's something that um, the reason why I called it Think Funny is because like our brand of humor, and which is really my brother's older friends that I kind of like latched onto, which is guys that are sort of like really smart, but also very funny, not loud funny, but like like thoughtful funny, like guys that grew up to be lawyers and stuff, kind of funny. Yeah. That's what I always uh, I found really attracted to, like Nate is like he really studies what's funny like he really he just knows he instinctively knows it but he also really takes a lot of time thinking about what's funny 
why this is funny if it's structured this way versus this way. Um, so I, I've learned everything really from Nate and my brother on on that kind of thing. Yeah. So so when you think about it, so the other thing you you do creative wise is so you have what so definitely two books are out in publication available yeah. for people to get right there. Yeah. And and I'm gonna so the the names are Good Chemistry and what we once called out in passing clouds. And yeah. so I, I'm gonna describe them as for me it's like shells it's like comedy mixed with shell silverstein is that yeah yeah that's good yeah yeah it's like a deep thoughts i don't know if people ever remember deep thoughts from saturday night live um jack handy it's it's like that basically they're little bits and i have these little silly drawings that i drew and, and put with them so so do you yeah. have like what's your process here so do you have a like a notepad that you just have by the couch and you just all of a sudden you'll start chuckling to yourself and go oh and you just start writing it down do you start with the picture or do you start with the words you start with the concept of something funny. The problem that I have is that if I like flip a switch and start thinking about these things, then I won't be able to think about anything else. It absorbs my mind. Like I can, I can just sit in a room and basically just type and write and think of what's funny. But I also I can't do that at the same time that I'm shopping with my wife because I'll just be on my notepad the whole time. So I go in spurts where I like I'll shut it down and then I'll kick it back up. So I'll think of a funny concept, um, like uh, like I had a bit about uh, that little uh, toilet in the, in a jail cell, and it just always struck me as that little stainless steel toilet was just funny. <laughs> and I'll think there's something funny there, and then I'll just let it marinate in my mind all day um, while I'm working. And then if I get a little bit of a piece of what might be a bit, but that see that little toilet's not funny in itself. You've really got to twist it to get to something funny. So. And then ultimately what I came out with was a bit about having to uh, have a real heart-to-heart conversation with your cellmate. And then when you sit down at the toilet, you put toilet paper down first because you don't know where he's been. And it's, it's about trust and, and it's a wake-up call that you're in prison and it's dangerous. So anyway, that's a stupid, <laughs> you can see kind of what, kind of the process of that. Like Nate always talks about uh, you want to dig deeper. Like don't just go with the surface level, like continue to dig until you're satisfied that you've got the joke in all its depth that you can get. Interesting. And then, yeah, and then it's just a matter of paring it down to what Seinfeld calls the economy of the expression. So you want to get as few words as possible with as much impact as possible and cutting those down into getting the smallest amount. Like Seinfeld will take a day, I mean hours, to get a couple words out of a joke just so he can shorten it. And so that just adds to the impact of the joke. Um, yeah, I remember when you you had you went and saw Seinfeld recently, and I re- yeah. I was actually taken aback by your your social media post about it because, you know, I'm a classic like, uh, you know, winging everything, right? So yeah, you know, whether it's yeah. podcasting or writing, it's like I feel it, I get it down and out right away. You know, yeah. I'll crack. I'll, you know, I'm I'm fairly witty, so I'll have a witty thought right. and I'll just get it down. Uh, but when you're signed, when you saw Seinfeld, it struck me because what I'm always continually astounded at when I come into you know, come around people that are great at things is the amount of work it takes to be that good. Obviously there's talent, right? right? But yeah. just you're talking like timing and expression and use of words. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, you look at Seinfeld. I also think of guys like Howard Stern or Adam Carolla that are so fast and witty, but they have been doing, they have been being funny on the air for three hours a day, five days a week for 30 years. It's mm-hmm. a, muscle that is built up 
and that's why they're so good you know and so it's like it's like uh michael jordan had probably the best natural ability but he also worked harder than everybody else and that's where you get those outliers like michael jordan or seinfeld or or howard stern someone that's truly extraordinary when they also put in that crazy amount of time and effort and they had skills already yeah did you admire seeing it you know did you um when did you start doing comedy stuff um, I started writing well back in high school a little bit, but then Jay, my buddy Jay Steffens, and back in like 2002 maybe, said, "Hey, Aaron, you want to write on my blog?" And I said, "I said, uh, uh, good try, Jay. Stop making up words, blog." <laughs> and uh, and uh, so then I started writing jokes uh, for Jay's blog, and then uh, from there I just started compiling them sort of privately myself. And I did stand up. I've done stand up not a ton but over the years i've done it from time to time and i've done like a little theater group and uh and then what i've really been working on probably for five years is a novel that's done but i'm still picking at it like i'm not satisfied with every page and and i'm also a little nervous to put it out because it's uh it's pretty vulgar it's pretty weird and it's it's like personal like with religious stuff so I'm sitting on that, um, but it's just been a long period, I guess, of doing comedy and that kind of stuff. So what about stand-up? So I would imagine yeah. that is incredibly daunting. I, I can't even imagine doing stand-up. I mean, how it's, do you prepare uh, for a session? Yeah. I just, I prepared, like, drilled. I had my set and my pieces that I wanted to do, and I worked really hard on structuring the flow of them and then memorizing the flow of them. And then um, you have in your mind, when you're saying these jokes in your mind, you hear laughter in the crowd. And then when you go perform, there's no laughter on the first joke. And it really throws you. And uh, like like the first time I did stand up, I went up in this bar and like it was empty. And like 50 feet away, maybe 30 feet away was the bar. And there were people, five people standing against the bar. And the lights like glaring on me and I'm going through these jokes and my jokes like aren't dirty. They're actually just stupid and thoughtful. <laughs> it's like, so nobody laughed. I, I don't know if I tell you the story, but like there was a Santa Claus standing there, a guy in a Santa outfit at the bar and it was after Christmas. So it was this weird, it was like a nightmare of like bombing in front of Santa. And so I got off stage, I walked directly out, uh, out of the door, went to my car and I sat there and I was like, no way that just happened. <laughs> and uh i didn't go on again for like two years <laughs> so well and so uh, is it is it is it as crazy i mean is it as the prep as precise as like standing in front of a mirror like they used to tell us to you for speeches and things yeah i mean here's oh the thing my God, I, that's I over, agonizing. it doesn't have to be though i i overthink it you know if you can just go up there and have a good time and you have some stuff like mitch emerson um other high school friend of ours he just stand up and he's more fluid and has more fun up there i think i just i don't think stand-up's my thing i just don't think my personality is a good fit for it it's more of a writer personality so that's probably why okay I mean, i've done well sometimes and then sometimes i've just really bombed it's been just earth shattering and horrible so oh god yeah. so what so you learned about yourself that you'd rather be writing than, than yeah. stand up although you yeah. 
still do the, the comedic writing. And obviously, you're still interested in stand-up. I think you did something recently, didn't you? I went down to L.A. and did some stand You can go. There's so many places where there used to be before the virus. But you can go and just do stand-up all throughout your day and night if you want to. So I went and did one in this room. And it's five comics. You pay $5. And you have to sit in the room and watch them. And then they sit there and watch you. And oh no my one God. laughs. <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty awesome. Did they not yeah. laugh because they're afraid that you're good and they're not, or are you truly not good? I don't know. It's probably <laughs> probably I'm not good, but nobody laughs. It's you can't really do comedy in a room full of five jaded uh, millennial comics, wannabe comics. It's not a good crowd. God. But uh, but my wife was there. She laughs. She's my best. Uh, <laughs> she's my best audience. She's my yeah. Best no fan, kidding. So. You know, it's yeah. also it's probably intimidating to do something in front of people you love too, because you know they're gonna go home with you and, and you're oh, gonna go, oh yeah. man, didn't that bomb? And oh, it's okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't do anything in front of people that I know if I can help it. So, people at work are like, once they heard that I did comedy, like my persona at work is totally different than my real life persona. <laughs> so I, uh, I keep that shelter, keep that hidden away typically. So. So tell us, so tell me how you got out to the West Coast. Gene? Yeah, so I, uh, let's see, I went here to go to Bible college uh, to be a pastor. Um, and then oh I got, God. yeah, so I uh, did that. And then I, I got married and stayed out here. And that was basically it. I, I was a pastor, like a associate, and then I guess a pastor, you pastor all that stuff for maybe 10 years or longer. Um, also, you know, working full time, it was just a small church. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I went through a divorce and, uh, that night my, her dad was the pastor. I, I left, uh, after that and I haven't, yeah, I haven't, I actually don't even go to church anymore at this point. Um, so yeah, that's, but I'm still here. My kids are here. So I didn't know, I, I, yeah. I, you know, now it's jogging my memory a bit, but I yeah. didn't. I knew you were fairly religious growing up, right? Like I remember you had to leave during Halloween. Yeah, how do you remember that, <laughs> dude? I remember the weirdest dumb stuff. No, my parents are very fundamentalists. Uh, like Halloween, they would turn off the lights and basically hide so kids wouldn't come to the door. I couldn't watch. I felt bad for you during Halloween, man. I yeah. say I couldn't watch Star Wars, Smurfs, He Man, anything to do with magic. Couldn't listen to any non-christian music in fact i think the only uh the only uh christian non-christian tape i could have was the back to the future soundtrack and so it be good it was uh power of love i don't remember in, mm. in elementary school you get to bring your favorite song as like a show and tell for music class and i brought that tape two years in a row because it was the only <laughs> thing that i had that wasn't embarrassing um so how does that how does how does a guy raised like you in yeah. midwest you know former pastor now divorcee become a guy who writes books and the compliments of the books are from like the the pillars of comedy that say it's dark and twisted yeah. <laughs> just, the dichotomy is just blowing my mind yeah I, I actually i mean i don't really ever i don't know if i've ever really talked about this but um you know i had a uh I guess it's a form of uh, OCD. It's called scrupulosity, and it's where you are fixated on um, like religious obsessions, kind of. So, secretly in high school, uh, I would pray and read my Bible constantly. Like, like I didn't let people know about it, but um, 
it was it was once I got home from school or once I wasn't with people, it was just constant. Um, and it really huh. dominated my life. It, it caused a lot of guilt and, and, and I went through depression and stuff. And, um, and I think it probably drove, drove me to go to Bible college because I was so focused on that type of stuff. And, uh, and I was watching, uh, uh, the aviator remember the movie about Howard Hughes. Yep. Uh, afterwards there's a, like a little documentary on OCD and one lady on it said, I have these religious obsessions. I feel like I need to pray all the time. I feel guilty all the time. I'm always asking for forgiveness and stuff. And, and, uh, and I just stood up and pointed at the TV and I was like, that's what I have. Whatever I have is that. So, um, yeah, I went to a, a psychiatrist and I got some medication. And since then it's, my life has really changed. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's, I don't know, maybe someday I'll talk about it more, but, um, the whole, it, like, like I was thinking before I came on here, like if someone really wanted to talk about my life, whatever interesting there might be in it, you can't separate the impact of religion on my life because it's been wow. so substantial, even though I've, I probably hid it from a lot of my friends. It was, it's very always present. It was always present anyway. Now, not so much. Um, but yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. I appreciate you sharing, man. I know yeah, that, that kind yeah. of stuff isn't interesting, and when it's broadcast around, you know, when it's broadcast, um, it, you know, the level of vulnerability it takes to to say things like that are, is pretty cool. I appreciate you trusting me enough with yeah, that. Yeah. So what makes so? I asked you to one of the things I do for everybody coming on. Um, I asked them to tell me what's making them happy, and I think it's a, probably a good time to think about what makes you happy now. Yeah. So I wrote down some <laughs> some stuff here. Uh, I like to go to breakfast and sit in the sun with my eyes in the sun. A lot of people avoid that seat in the booth, but I, I go for it. I like it. But why? Um, I just like squinting in the sun at breakfast time. <laughs> um, I like it when I lay on something like, uh, like I have a CPAP machine I have to sleep with because I have whatever that's called. Yep. And, but if I lay on the hose just right <laughs> all night it'll create this crease or a big mark on my back like a snake and i really i like that i like uh the sound of a popcorn popper starting up like the like the old school one yeah 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 oh nice like that. um let's see i like uh i make a thanksgiving turkey it's the only time i cook throughout the year and when i do that on thanksgiving i lay on the kitchen floor all morning and throw a ball up in the air and then i <laughs> talk to everybody that comes by and grab their ankles and that's <laughs> fun <laughs> i like riding around in a crappy car like where you hit the seat and it's fabric and it's like a hot sunny day and all the dust comes up i like riding around in those and slouching and going into convenience stores and buying junk food and then just riding around listening to the radio that's my style if i had a style <laughs> um i got uh i got braces on about a year ago and, and i usually don't like do anything i guess to, for myself that way and my wife really pushed me to to get them my jaw was messed up and my teeth were crooked so i i like to stand in front and real close to the mirror and pretend like i have my old crooked teeth and then i smile and i see that my teeth are straight um <laughs> uh, oh if i hear a song usually a sad song i'll replay it over and over in my mind and i always pretend that i'm standing in humanities class I did this presentation on singer-songwriters, folk music, and I really wish that I would have been able to play guitar and sing. So I always pretend that I'm in that class singing that song. I do that. I've done that thousands of times. So that's my go-to 
fantasy presentation. What song would it be? Uh, anything by like James Taylor or Donovan. Early seventies music is really my wheelhouse. Like, give me a give me a bar. Give me a bar. (laughs) Come on. No, I can't. I can't. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, All right. The other the other questions. Those are fantastic. So the sleep apnea one with the crease on your back. Yeah. It'll be forever ingrained in my memory. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, good. nice. Yeah. So the other question I wanted you to ask is what would you change? Um, I wish that I could have an I know what I'm doing badge at airports for security and other things. Like, like you don't need to tell me about my shoes. Like, you can just see the badge and it says he knows what he's doing. Because <laughs> I don't like to be bothered or talked to, I don't know, in those situations. I just want to. I don't like to bother people either. I just like to stay under the radar and then I know what I'm doing. Well, no, um, could that, that magic could actually be a detriment because I'm imagining the old lady tapping on the shoulder and goes, since you know what you're doing. <laughs> just show her the badge. Oh, sorry. I put the badge on. I had it off. We're not too, in my opinion, whenever I go to airports, I think we're not too far away from the old guys just showing up in their underwear. <laughs> <laughs> saying, forget this whole process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, you know what would even be better than that, Aaron, is a badge that that you so you could flip it over, and on the other side it says "Just give me my stuff quickly." Yes. On the yes. other side, especially yeah. my belt. Yeah, I know. I hate putting. It's embarrassing to put a belt on in front of people. It's weird. <laughs> it is weird. Like, like last time I went through Tampa's airport, this very attractive woman was right in front of me, and I'm like reached over to get my belt, and my shoes, and I'm thinking this this is so strange. It's odd. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's the speaking of attractive women on on a plane, they okay, so I'm not so it's like a typically stereotypical model type girl. She doesn't know that I don't care about her. Like if I'm sitting next to her on a plane, she'll like ask for more peanuts or have to get up and go to the bathroom a lot or shift too much or her foot will rest against my foot. See, I don't care about her. So I don't put up with that. And um so anyway, that's just the thought I had on the plane. In general, uh, if I see those type of women, like I'm trying to change society uh, at, in one interaction as a time at a time to show them that I don't really care about them or what they have to offer. So, no, that yeah. sounds very, uh, very like warm. <laughs> Ugly people, I'm fine with. I'm buddies with. Yeah, yeah. So if you smell really bad and you, sm- yeah. you know, you've been in, sleeping in the airport for five days, watch Those out. Here, people. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. but if you're a very attractive model, you can put your bag on the the only empty seat. That's fine. You're not going to yeah. sit there anyways. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, oh man, that's great. Well, I tell you yeah. what, it was so nice to talk to you. I, yeah, you, too, you know, Billy. you know, Aaron, I, I just, you know, I, I know we're a long ways away from each other, and I probably yeah. have. When's the last time we probably saw each other? I don't know. Right after high school, probably. If that probably, you know, and it's yeah. so cool to connect this way because you know I, I i started by saying you know i thought of two interesting people when i launched this podcast and hopefully i get to talk to a bunch more and I, I really couldn't wait to talk to you i'm glad you made the time because i you know without even knowing the whole i was a pastor for 10 years and here's how i got out there i mean yeah. you're just an interesting person you've always been super nice at the end oh, of the day you're really, really funny and nice and so if people please check out your think funny podcast all your work online aarondonley.com i'll make sure i post it when I put okay. this interview up, but uh, yeah, man, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a lot of things going on. 